You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Tom Webster, co-founder of Sounds Profitable, which covers the podcasting industry, says it's as if podcasting is still viewed as a, quote, pirate band of people listening to knitting shows. But nothing could be further from the truth. Podcast ad spending is projected to expand 25% to $2.7 billion this year in the U.S. and will rise to nearly $4 billion by 2025, according to the U.S. Podcasting Advertising Revenue Study released in early May by the Interactive Advertising Bureau and PwC. What's more, three out of four consumer surveys cited podcast hosts as the most influential figures shaping their actions, beliefs, and life decisions, compared to only 15% of respondents who said the influence of social media creators mattered most to them, per a recent study by Magna and Vox Media. In addition to reaching younger and more attuned listeners compared to linear TV and terrestrial radio, podcasts are an increasingly effective way for marketers to produce their own programming. Indeed, Having your own podcast is like one big branded advertisement without resorting to interruptive ads with increasingly diminishing returns. Webster joins me now along with his partner, Brian Berletta, whom I'm happy to have back on the Champions of Growth podcast. The duo discussed their recent study that explores the growing opportunities for using podcasts as an advertising vehicle, the state of industry standards, and more. Guys, thanks so much for joining me today. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, excited to be back. Great to have you. I want to start with a new survey that sounds profitable released earlier this year titled The Medium Moves the Message. The online survey took the pulse of 2,000 Americans, 18 plus years of age, to gauge their awareness of brands relative to the largest advertisers in radio, TV, and podcasting. Tom, what do you think are some of the most salient takeaways from the study when it comes to advertising on podcasting? The first place you have to start is with the demographics of those three media. And we chose those three media very consciously because they're all three in the same basic game. They're all three in the 30 to 60 second spot for attention game, right? Unlike digital display and online video and things like that. One of the most inescapable conclusions of this project is that the median and the mean ages of podcast listeners are so much younger than the mean age of radio listeners and television viewers. And in fact, when you look at the most active users of all three media, the heavy listeners to podcasting, the heavy users of radio, and the heavy users of television, there's a generation's difference between the mean ages of, of all of that. So radio and, and TV right now, heavy users are hitting the, the sort of last boomers, the tail end of the boomer generation, while the mean age of the most active users of podcasting is kind of at millennials. And what's increasingly true is that the circles of these audiences are, are pulling apart a little bit so that that podcast audience is increasingly more exclusive and therefore unreachable by the former big tent of radio or TV. And the survey also found that consumers find podcast ads to be more relevant than other media, such as YouTube or network TV, and that podcast ads hold consumers' attention better than AM, FM, or TV ads. Yet with all that, the dollars allocated to podcasts are still well behind other media channels. Why haven't the dollars caught up considering such positive returns compared to other media buys and this younger demo you talk about? 
I'm hoping that some of it is a lack of information. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that we're hoping to address with the regular releases of research that we're doing here. It sounds profitable and the research from other entities in the space that we're highlighting. I would hope that any number of media buyers would have looked at that demographic data that I just talked about and been a little bit shocked. Like they might've known that it was trending that way, but it was pretty eye-opening. Lack of information. A lot of it is inertia. And frankly, some of it is in the way that podcasting has been sold. And, and podcasting is a bit of an odd duck. In many ways, it's an analog medium. It has a lot of the same characteristics that great radio has, that great television has. It is a linear experience, but it's often held to digital standards. People look at display ads and they want to know exactly how many impressions and exactly how many click-throughs and it's hard to click through a voice. So some of it, I think, is the way that it's been a bit of a hybrid. But a lot of it is that in the first go around of trying to sell this medium into agencies and, and brands, a lot of the tools that we have now weren't there. But now we have this incredibly robust suite of measurement tools, brand safety tools, attribution tools, all of these things that, frankly, radio and television can't even begin to match. It's just communicating that with people. But despite all these tools... Despite the younger demo, my question is, is it still too easy for marketers to say no because they haven't reached their comfort zone with podcasting? What do media buyers need to do to get there? Or does the industry need to do a better job of educating marketers? The industry does continue to need to do a better job educating marketers. In some ways, Facebook and Google have spoiled marketers into this kind of false sense of having their thumb on the pulse of attribution. And, and of course, none of that is particularly true. A lot of people in, in marketing and uh, agencies and buyers alike, all of us have the same general goal, and that is don't get fired. And it's really hard to get fired when you can point to all of this attribution data and all of this data that says this many impressions were delivered and, and all of the sort of, you know, false sense of security that a digital display gives you. So I, I do think we have to do a better job of education. I do think we have to do a better job of explaining what all of these tools mean. There's a lot of compelling brand lift data out there and a lot of compelling attribution data that's locked behind the doors, unfortunately, a lot of the agencies and brands that we work with. So we need to do a better job of ferreting all of that out, getting those case studies out there, because some of them are really remarkable. I like what you said about Facebook and Google spoiling people. It's like an update of that old expression. Nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM. It's uh, Perhaps it's the uh, digital version of that. Brian, what's the business case to the C-suite for buying more podcasting in a sort of broad sense? Outside of the fact that the metrics work, the ROI is there, the price is pretty stable consistently, and you're able to drive for a better price and better performance so many things vanity metrics right instead of getting a billboard in times square it is probably cheaper to have a celebrity who matters to you say your brand or talk about your brand or endorse your brand at a cheaper rate than they would do your television commercial or a ctv commercial or anything like that getting them to do a host endorsement is a really easy one so the vanity metrics are the easiest way that i try and appeal to c-suite sometimes because once they see that and then the metrics work out and the price works out as they pass it down the line two or three people those people only really care about price and metrics that's the entering foot for the C-suite. The rest of it is that it's untapped. We're 20 years into podcasting at this point. And to talk about that maybe we're five years into this ad tech 
and advertising like swing of it, where $2 billion industry is quoted by the IAB for 2021. We'll have the new numbers for 2022 soon. Those are definitely undercounting. Those are US focused. The percent of listenership out there that is consuming podcasting, the percent of people that consume it in a daily basis and gravitate towards it, these are people that are avoiding ads another way. Personal anecdote, but I, I think it applies. I mean, we just started watching YouTube videos with my youngest son, and it's the first time he came across ads because we pay for YouTube Plus, but they're baked in. They're people endorsing something that we can't, I don't have a way to skip it. I don't have a way to pay to get around it. If I want that person's content, I'm stuck with it. And my son's like, what is this? Podcast listeners are savvy people who know what content they want to purchase. And when they come across someone who is endorsing something, it's content more than it is an ad. It's funding the creation of that content more than it is an annoyance. So it doesn't have a flat metric. And the appeal is exploring something new in a relatively boring space for the past few years, I think. And it's not interruptive. I'm not here to say that are not interruptive podcast ads. I mean, when the further you get from the ad creation and, and the show creation, it is possible to inject them poorly. But I think that the majority, when we think of the people who are making a business case and are, are financially growing this industry, those people are not cutting something off mid-sentence to dynamically insert an ad because you'll lose listeners. Like the tolerance is there to like make a mistake, but the bigger you get and the bigger the gaff, the less tolerance there is. They're not disruptive. The podcast companies are looking at those metrics saying, how far can I push it before I lose them? And then they're adjusting other levers. The price might go up. The, the number of endorsements versus announcer read. The rate of shows being released. They'll figure out other levers, but we're very conscious of how easy it is that we could alienate people. We're nowhere near like radio ad load. And I don't think we'll get there. I think we'll approach it in a different way. And again, to your point just a moment ago, although the industry is sort of entering adulthood, still in the perhaps nascent stage when it comes to a buying? I'd say we're full-blown toddlers at this point. I think the wrong person with candy could steal us away. And that's a bigger fear of all the silo aspect of stuff that's going on here, right? With YouTube coming in and saying, we have podcasts now, but it's really just buying through YouTube. With Spotify being aware now that their siloed approach didn't work as well, but they do have some really cool technology that is exclusive to them and their app. We're still in that early phase. Buying's really tough right now. If I were to instruct someone to buy, I would say either double down on a handful of shows that you really like and be hands-on with them. A creative experience that I think over the last decade has moved away. I mean, I started in ad tech 13, 14 years ago at this point, Mad Men was on TV. I thought it was creative was cool again. I wanted to know ad theory. I had no background in it. And you got to really sit there and dig into that. I got to participate in presenting an ad to Brian Cranston about Breaking Bad today nobody would participate in that conversation. Nobody would allow that conversation to happen. Podcasting allows that. If you're gonna buy, go hands-on and feel creative again, or go all the way up, go programmatic, buy in a wide place in a piece of technology that you own and can find comfort with. Is the lack of industry standards, Brian, still a roadblock for a lot of marketers who see the value of podcasting but need those standards in order to invest real money, need those standards to make a better case to the C-suite? 
as somebody who did not particularly do well in English in school, I found myself really harping on definitions for things lately. And podcasting has measurement and spate. We really do. The download is an understand term. 60 seconds of the episode has been downloaded by the listener's device. The problem is the standardization of that. You know, I used to push back a lot against the IAB, but when you realize that the MRC said they were not interested in creating a standard for podcasting, the IAB was all that was there. And the IAB isn't built to handle small industries like us. We have a guideline, not even a specification. Every single hosting company in podcasting interpreted that guideline separately. The problem there is that there's differences up to 20% between how somebody counts a download. We're really focused as an organization with the IEB, the podcast side of it, of getting a 3.0 specification out, an actual specification, and moving away from a guideline to something more strict. Today, if anybody read that guideline, you need no technical knowledge to parse through what that document says, which is honestly not great. There should have to be a human breakdown for the technical requirements of what it is. We're absolutely lacking at specification. It's a growing pain that we're going to solve in the next year, year and a half. And no technical knowledge, something that CMOs born of the analog age can appreciate. Which on that point is really great because YouTube's concept of what a view is or consumption, you can't get someone at YouTube to like nail down what their metrics are, but they're just like, but it'll show up if it happens. Uh, it's very fluid. In podcasting, it's 60 seconds of the file has been sent down to you. It's, it's very clear and you'll be able to figure it out through attribution and whatnot, whether that show is working very quickly. There's not going to be a lot of confusion. The standards issue is when you want to buy a thousand shows on all the different hosting platforms, trying to like make sure you're measuring it correctly. That's the problem today. But if you double down on any one or two channels, you would have no problem. You could do absolute gangbusters on it. As we head into a break, Brian, according to the survey, the addition of podcasts to a multi-channel media mix shows significant mid-funnel effects. Does that make a better case that buying targeted buys on podcasts can serve as a linchpin between mid-funnel and getting customers and prospects to close the sale, whether B2B or B2C? So much of podcasting is D2C right now. A lot of it is the products that we're trying to sell to the listeners, but there's such a branding aspect there and it's so powerful that we haven't really explored it yet because again, we're trying to convince more people to get into this space. That ability to target, whether based on the content, whether based on the host, the demographics of the show, the timing. We're about to enter uh, NFL draft and I believe ESPN has sold out all of their video inventory and now we're onto audio and now we're onto the fan shows that are about that. And when those sell out, we'll have other ones that are spun up and get an audience fast enough to be still worth the ad dollars to produce that content. So the short is, is that contextual targeting and behavioral targeting and all the targeting and podcasting can be really strong because while we're not able to get the exact listener because it is IP address, we can survey that audience and understand where they index. We can identify the type of content and what we know about people who consume that. There's very little content that comes out at this point that you can't point to another site, another video, another product that has hit on that type of content and use their reference of who they're capturing as a base point. Absolutely, we can go wide. We don't have to just go on the individual shows and there's a lot of room to really focus on that end. Stay with us, there's more to come. And now for a short break. For a new CMO, the pressure to deliver results is on from the get-go. If you don't take a disciplined approach to onboarding, you'll soon find yourself in a defensive crouch without laying a solid foundation for long-term value. 
ANA CMO's 90-Day Quick Wins Package is a combination of videos, cheat sheets, checklists, and more to help your first three months as CMO or marketing lead be a success. To learn more, go to www.ana.net slash first 90 days. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Brian Berletta and Tom Webster, founders of Sounds Profitable, about trends in the podcasting industry and what they mean for marketers. Tom, right now, podcasting is about a $2 billion ad market per insider intelligence. How does the trajectory of the inventory available track with demand? Is the dam still waiting to break when the vast middle class of companies start to engage with podcasting? The dam has a leak. I don't know that it's ever going to break, but it is gradually equilibrating, to use a good podcast word. Look at a couple of things. First of all, you just gave a figure for the podcast industry of about $2 billion. Now tell me what that is for the radio business. I'll spot you 24 hours and you won't be able to come back with a figure because it's just not reported anymore. Let's assume it's 18 billion, let's call it. Right now, the reach of radio in this country is about on a weekly basis, about two thirds of the country. And the reach of podcasting is about a third of the country. On reach alone, podcasting reaches half as many people. If you're just looking to buy scale, that is possible. Now, it is a little bit more difficult to buy scale in podcasting, but not appreciably more difficult when you consider the difference between trying to buy local advertising across the country. There's no easy way to do that in radio. Just on a reach basis, podcasting punches below its weight, but also on a share of listening basis. And there's a fairly adopted study called Share of Ear that is put out by Edison Research that shows the percentage of total audio time that is devoted to podcasting, that is devoted to radio and streaming audio and, and ad-supported media and so on. Right now, if we take podcasting at $2 billion, and let's call you know the rest of uh, ad-supported audio, mostly radio at this point, if you call that $18 billion, I can tell you that that 2 to 18 or 1 to 19 ratio does not reflect the actual share of audio time spent listening, which is actually closer to 1 to 5. So it's punching well below its weight in terms of ad dollars. Does that $2 billion undervalue the market? Because it's not accounting for time spent, which is an increasingly key metric for marketers. It's not accounting for time spent. People are used to buying radio and buying TV in very defined ways that have existed for millennia. I mean, radio was bought in average quarter hours where you looked at the cum and the time spent listening. And television is often bought in GRPs, that percentage of the household that viewed it. Podcasting doesn't quite operate like either one of those things. That I think is, is a little bit of the challenge in terms of claiming that due share of, of advertising dollars. What we need to argue for is the audience. We need to argue for the fact that we have this incredibly large audience in podcasting now, such that it isn't this sort of pirate band of people listening to knitting shows. It's at least half the audience of radio and at least half the audience of linear television and growing in the face of those two declining. Brian, there were two bullet points in the study that stood out to me. One, podcast listeners are more likely than TV viewers or AM FM listeners to say ads prompt purchase. And two, consumers who only or primarily use podcasts rate brands more favorably on average than TV or AM FM radio, among other channels. Does that kind of consumer engagement make a case that companies can produce their own branded podcasts and have that control for that asset and control being a big thing with CMOs? I think what you're seeing here is that the association of that ad to that podcast, whether it's announcer-read or host-read, 
creates that comfort, right? I listen to that podcast. I want to support that podcast that adds there, but I'm more open to it. The assumption is that that podcast has some sort of control there. More and more that's not happening, but there's still control in like what categories they would allow to be on that show and all these other flags that you can turn on there. And I'm honestly really excited because the podcast companies are very focused on making sure it's the right fit more than just stuffing ads in there because again, they lose audience. And with more and more podcasts coming out, it's hard to capture them. There's a case to be made for successful ads in podcasting to become entire branded podcasts. The brands that find themselves doing well here will find an audience here, whether that's some of those people coming over or just the fact that their ideal buyer is open to podcasts and that they can control that. Now, we're not talking about the progressive auto insurance hour where they take live calls from people roadside and send over a limo to pick them up which I mean, maybe that's not a bad idea. I might tune in at least once. I think we're more talking about the fact that there are some amazing branded content companies out there that grab that brand and create a compelling story that that brand now owns 100% of. Now that show captures that audience that was interested in that type of content, doesn't have any ads other than saying like, this is a progressive auto insurance podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And then they're just like, oh my God, this is great content. There was no ad in there. Progressive is great. There's the least barrier for entry for that. I'm not expecting to see a new sitcom on TV or on Netflix that's a branded sitcom, but I have definitely dug into podcasts that have been appealing to me. And I've been like, I'm really surprised that this is a branded podcast and that affinity grows further. I would treat it like a click-through rate. You're not going to convert 100% of those people over there, but the ones you do, they're really bought in. Doesn't the potential for producing your own podcast give marketers another excuse to behave like a media company? in the sense of I'm a big believer that every company is a quasi media company, whether they like it or not these days. Content marketing is eclipsing traditional advertising, however, gradually in terms of everything is content marketing now and podcasting is a perfect vehicle. Good audio is really, really difficult to do. And I don't say this to dissuade marketers, but it's harder to do great audio than it is to do great video. The storytelling aspects, the theater of the mind aspects, it's not necessarily an easy lift. Just playing off something that Brian said, you have the opportunity to start small. You don't have to eat the elephant all at once. And a great example, I can think of a client that I had in a former life on a number of their podcasts ran a post-roll branded five-minute piece that was done each week by... Doctors Without Borders, or for your French listeners, Médecins Sans Frontières. And that five minutes was basically like an interview with somebody in the field. It was relevant to the show that preceded it. Doctors Without Borders stories are really compelling. It, first of all, was uh, infinitely more valuable than a typical post-roll would be, which is not a very valuable piece of real estate. But it was also a way for the listener and the uh, for Doctors Without Borders to get started without having to produce the Doctors Without Borders podcast. Wanted to uh, get you to elaborate on the opportunities for marketers and their agencies when it comes to producing branded podcasting. Are in-house studios perhaps becoming the cost of entry? There are plenty of great branded podcast companies that can take care of this for companies. And I would recommend most companies look at them first. It it can be difficult to kind of spin up an in-house. It's a real build versus buy. And I think in most cases, buy is the answer here because there are a lot of great branded production companies. The other thing that I would consider though, when you're thinking about a branded podcast, it's really important to be very, very clear on the goals for doing it. Because if the goal of doing a branded podcast is to increase your reach or increase your awareness, you're going to have a really tough road. The best use case for a branded podcast is if you are a company that has a story to tell 
that people are interested in hearing. One of the most successful branded podcasts is the Trader Joe's podcast because people are curious about Trader Joe's. It's weird going in there sometimes. Patagonia is a company that has a story to tell. The last thing I'd say about it is that if you're going to dip your toe into branded podcasts, if you really want to succeed, be prepared to spend more on marketing your marketing than you do on the podcast itself because it's tough. You're spinning something up from an audience of zero to be able to achieve the kind of goals you want, even if they're not reach goals, you've really got to do a good job promoting it. I want to jump into that because I super agree with Tom on every point. The interesting conversations that I've been having recently were, imagine a world where you get to record a very high quality two hour video podcast. It's branded, it's specifically for your goals, it has a killer host on it. What can you do that as a marketer, right? Let's say you spend 10 or $20,000 to make that two hour asset. How many other pieces can you make it into? Easily a hundred. You can clip it up appropriately in audio, video, images, animated GIFs. They can be turned into articles. It could be stubs for additional articles. And those all things, if it never ends up being a podcast whose feed generates its own downloads, you just don't want to put the marketing into it because it's a new channel, it can become ads. Like Tom said, the five minutes at the end of it, it can become shorts on YouTube and Instagram, which you probably already have a presence on. It can be social media assets. It can be things in your email. It can be stuff that you submit to events and webinars. There's so many different ways to go about it. And that asset creation, that hands-on, I mean, let's be honest, you do something for CTV, it's out of your hand. A creative agency gets to go have fun with it with a sports car and something neat. And you get a 30, 60, 90 second ad that you probably paid more than that for. And if it's a banner ad at this point, it's like, I don't know. I mean, the days of rich media were really fun getting in there and getting hands on, but now it's more Canva-esque for people who really want to prove themselves, the people who want to try something new. It's real low cost and you can recycle this stuff to the point where it doesn't ever even have to be a podcast and still find massive success from it. And as we start to wrap up from a best practices standpoint, how do you think CMOs and marketers should approach producing their own podcasts? What's their greatest chance of success in terms of talent, subject matter, distribution, and measurement? And when I talk about appealing to the C-suite, I'm actually talking about appealing to the CFO, who's going to look at this stuff with a really jaundiced eye. The CFO is right to look at it with a jaundiced eye because a branded podcast is not an easy lift. It's not right for everybody. If I'm a CFO, I would appropriately push back. And I honestly spend a lot of my time when I'm talking with companies, talking them out of doing it because it can be done for very egoic reasons, as we mm -hmm. have suggested mm -hmm. uh, before. You have to have an audience already that is interested in your story and you have to have a goal for that audience. And you have to be able to say upfront, this is how I want to move that audience. This is my expectation of moving that audience. And to be able to also commit resources to measurement. And in a lot of cases, that's survey measurement. And you're looking at things like brand loyalty. You're looking at things like likelihood to tell somebody else about the brand, to be a real ambassador for the brand. If you are not willing to also commit those resources, then a branded podcast is going to frustrate you. But for some companies, it's an absolute home run because if you are that kind of company where someone is interested in a show either about your company, which is unlikely, or in a mutual interest, right? And I think about Slack had a wonderful podcast that wasn't about Slack. It was about the crazy world of work that we all share. And it was really compelling and it was a show. And that's ultimately my last piece of advice about this is you have to put on a show. 
You have to put on an entertainment that someone will spend 30 minutes, 60 minutes with instead of watching Succession. And if there's any side of the content that smacks of salesiness, that's going to be a non-starter? Complete non-starter. It's not going to work. It's absolutely not going to work. It's the wrong venue for it. And, and some of that is mentally, when we listen to ad-supported content, that sort of traditional interrupt style advertising, radio, for instance, we're making a bargain. We understand that bargain, the advertising bargain, the attention bargain. We don't have that same bargain with podcasting. We expect, I'm going to devote this 30 minutes to you, and I expect that 30 minutes to be worth my intense concentration. People don't make the same ad bargain. So if you do that, it smacks of salesiness. It's an instant tune-out. Thomas had a lot of opportunity to do this from the top, and I want to ask really stress this sounds profitable is uh, a, an advocacy and research firm so if anybody is considering doing podcasts or getting into podcasts please seriously reach out we have time for you that's what we're structured to do is to help everybody in here and we're very happy to help you come to the terms of no because we'd rather you come back and visit it when it fits you my experience has been on the bottom up my experience has been on that 22-year-old who's trying to prove themselves, who's tired of Facebook putting out yet another article that says, all the ads that ran on Sunday served to nobody, but you still got billed for them and we'll figure it out later. That happened, right? We're talking on Wednesday the 26th. There was a, a, an article this week about Facebook having yet another issue in a silo environment. There are ways to buy podcast advertising and audio even incredibly cheap right now. There are ways to prove your ROI. There are ways to dip your toes in it in a way that no one is going to notice until either you abandon it because the math doesn't work out how it works in your other channel or you bring it up to your boss and say, look, I spent this little money and got this much results. There's something here. And then magically, you're the head of podcast buying at your company. That's a substantial number of people in podcasting who are influential on the buy side right now. That's literally how they got there. And the secret is there's still probably several more years of that. Even if we double every year, I don't think until and 2 billion for 2021, I do not expect that to be something that becomes uncommon until we pass 10 or even 15 billion, because we're still seeing that type of behavior in social media marketing. So what I'd say is if you like podcasting and you are a media buyer who has any sort of autonomy and can take any sort of risk, it is worth allocating that budget. It's worth losing a few lunch breaks to try it. And we'd be very happy to introduce you to literally anybody who can help you make that happen because we want you to be the next people up on stage or on these podcasts talking about this space because we'd love it to be crowded, but there's still room like for leaders in this space. So the curious are going to win. And we'll have to leave it there. Brian Barletta, Tom Webster, founders of Sounds Profitable, which covers the podcasting industry. Thanks so much for joining me today. Cheers, Matthew. Thank you. Thanks for having us. To learn more about Sounds Profitable and to access the Medium Moves the Message survey, go to soundsprofitable.com. If you'd like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining me. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.